Hey, it's Nick Walters again with the Industrial Hemp Growers Digest, a podcast brought to you by the National Hemp Growers Cooperative. And we have yet to stop being tickled to death with the people that we've got on our on our show each each time that we do one of these episodes to talk more about the people and the the groups that are involved in industrial hemp and um, today is no exception so julie lerner who is the ceo of pen exchange all about some carbon credits and what all of that means and and uh for the hemp industry and for other industries as well as it as it relates to the carbon credit world julie thanks for joining us thank you so much for inviting me to be here nick it's great to be here Absolutely. Now, look, uh, we want you to give us a little bit of Julie background and let us know about kind of how you got to where this is and whatever that might look like and, and how you got involved in this space. And including that a little bit about your hemp aha moment. Where did you just go? Hey, I can't had no idea this plant would do all this stuff. And and when did that happen in your journey of something like that? So we'd really be interested to know about that before we learn more about Pan Exchange and the, and the good work that y'all are doing. Sure, I'd be happy to. So uh, I have a background in physical commodity trading, always wanted to be an import export, thought it would be, you know, a fine Italian silks and leather, but no bulk raw commodities with cargo okay. uh, and big boatloads of sugar, bulk, bulk, you know, shipments and so forth. Uh, but just love the business. I'm so passionate about, you know, these natural resources that feed and fuel the world. And many of us Americans are kind of oblivious how a potato chip gets on your table. Mm. Uh, so just just uh, that is my passion. Um, but within that, I've always been drawn to new opportunities that, that that improve the status quo. So with Cargill, they when I was and I'm really dating myself on all this, um, they had just created this financial markets division where they would embed a put in a call and it was called a no cost caller. So basically, I could go to um, one of my sugar producers in Latin America and say, hey, I can give you a minimum minimum price guarantee as long as you give me a ceiling of what price I'm gonna, going to buy it for. Um, and I thought that was the greatest thing since sliced bread. So um, so I was, I was uh, very excited about those. And then I went to Sempra Energy Trading when electricity was just deregulated in the, in the US. And if that wasn't cutting edge enough in physical commodity markets, uh, I went to Excel Financial uh, when I learned about weather derivatives. Uh, <laughs> again, thought this was the greatest thing since sliced bread, which it was. Um, and could be if Enron didn't fall apart, we needed their patient capital in that market. Um, so I, from that, I designed this online trading platform, um, online brokerage, really, if you will, for physical commodities, how to do a commodity trader's job more efficiently, aggregating the market. And from that, uh, Pan Exchange was born and has morphed into something much bigger than that. It's what we are, we describe ourselves as a market structure and consultancy for figure physical commodities. So we do benchmark prices. As you know, we've got the, the leading bench suite of benchmark prices in hemp. We do fundamental analysis. Uh, on and offline brokerage. And as you mentioned, we're now building a vertically integrated program for independent farmers to obtain carbon credits. 
Wow. I mean, so uh, now, uh, how does somebody do that and all of that? I mean, so you're a, a financial markets background person. I mean, is that what you went to school for? I mean, do you, what do you, when, when a human says, man, I really like to get into, you know, uh, bulk trading for commodities like that, your background is doing what? It ain't puppetry. It ain't Italian Renaissance literature. I mean, what's, what's the background that you... Trading the actual physical natural resource. So it's actually not Eddie Murphy in trading places. It's the, and if you recall that plot, it was orange, orange juice. Yeah. Is <laughs> the actual movement of oranges from Florida to the processor, not, not the futures trade. Well, futures was part of it, but not solely. So we, again, and, in, and like using hemp as an example, mm-hmm. our clients are growers their processors, their trade houses and, and, and users um, event, you know, are we'd like our benchmark price and we'd like this industry to grow up to a point where, yeah, we can have a futures contract around it, but it's just way too early. So, yeah, I would say my background is uh, more on the physicals than the financial side. There you go. There you go. Okay. Because you could have a future thought all day long, but if the product doesn't get to, to the processing, it doesn't, there is no future, right? You're just talking about, how good it's going to be one day. And if nobody's drinking orange juice, you know, then then um, um, it ain't really going anywhere, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So tell us about your hemp aha moment. Why hemp? I mean, of all the things that you have been involved in and all the different groups and things that you could see about, you know, particularly de- dealing in the ag space, what was it for you that said, I like this idea of hemp? So, yeah, we saw hemp coming down the pipeline in that December 2018 farm bill. And my team says, hey, you really need to look at this. It's, it's happening. It's happening. And, I, and we looked at it. And um, at this point, we had done several markets. We had done East Africa. We had done the 100 million ton specialty sand market um, for oil and gas in the U.S. Um, and it, it's, it was... I know that many people in hemp, the aha moment is, you know, it helped a loved one with a, with a treatment plan. Honestly, that wasn't mine. Um, my aha moment was, wow, we could help solve lots of points of pain in the, with our expertise and our platform and so forth. Um, it's a brand new market. It's highly fragmented and opaque. And, and the purpose of our market structure is to bring that transparency and efficiency as best as we can. Um, unfortunately, the one pain point we could not fix was the oversupply that ensued. Um, but so the aha moment was right before the farm bill, because I, I'm quite proud of the team to say that we were, you know, that happened a, a couple of weeks before Christmas. By the third week of January, we had benchmark prices published. We were the first to market. How about that? Yeah. How about that? Your crystal balls were working, right? I mean, you're somebody who was doing the uh, uh, research and looking at things that were coming down the pike. And of course, that's what your customers are looking for, is for you guys to be looking ahead. I don't need somebody that's telling me what's going on right now, although that's important. I'd like to know what's coming. And and that's obviously something that uh, kudos go to you and your team for for figuring out some of those things. Thank you. Yeah. Which also means now we have a very robust historical database of prices. 
Right. So you're not just um, uh, spitballing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, tell tell us more about as it relates to to carbon credits. For those folks who are they hear the term and people kind of know it's out there. And, and, you know, some people who start to dig around a little bit, it starts to sound like um, it depends on what your definition of is, is right. I mean, what, what is one and what is a, what is a carbon credit? How, how do you best describe that to growers or farmers or, or houses or any of the folks that you've talked about that you work with? Yeah. I think the underlying thing people need to know is quite candidly, Carbon markets are messy, they're really complicated, and they're evolving rapidly. But they are a way to put some extra money in a farmer's pocket, and and they are here to stay, so it is worth getting into now. And the reason we got into it, I think how we got to where we are in carbon also tells the story of of carbon credits. So at least with relation to hemp cropland and and all croplands. But um, so I just wanted to use my trading platform to trade these carbon credits. We have the technology built already, you know, let's go build a liquidity pool. I didn't like the fact that other benchmark prices and futures contracts were putting all types of nature-based credits into a bucket because that includes forestry credits, cropland credits, rangeland credits, and methane. And those are four really different markets. Mm. I wanted at Pan Exchange to create a benchmark price for croplands and grasslands. Um, so, so uh, made the rounds through my my network and at all the trade houses. Everybody loved the idea. We all came back with our tail between our legs two weeks later because we realized, wow, there there's no inventory of these agricultural carbon credits. There aren't there aren't any. I mean, very little, very insignificant amount. So then we looked into why, and that's how we ended up creating a fully vertically integrated program where we will help you generate the carbon credits and sell them on our platform. Uh, I believe we are the only entity that's offering the the growers 100% ownership of those credits to sell directly to the buyer. Um, And we're here now because everything else I looked at was just too expensive and too cumbersome for the average farmer. And I, I, we were thinking there has to be a better way. Let's find a better way. Mm. That's where we are today is we have our own methodologies for earning carbon credits, um, predominantly soil, right? And so the, the concept of, of, of a voluntary carbon market is sadly not simply how much carbon's in your soil, but showing additional soil sequ- uh, carbon sequestered. Uh, so changing, tell me the practices you're changing, like the most obvious would be from tilling to no-till. Um, and, and then we measure how much extra carbon is getting stored and the improvement of that. It's looking at soil as an asset class, if you will, right? Sure. Uh, treating it like a baby. This is an asset. Um, you know, let's take care of it. It's a long-term program. That's right. It's it's kind of like um, uh, Scarlett O'Hara's daddy said in uh, Gone with the Wind, you know, Katie Scarlett lands the only thing that matters. And so if you <laughs> and so if you got it and it's your asset and and why would you not take care of your asset the best you possibly could? And and then 
it's not just a practical thing, but it's also to say, and there's reward for that. And there are people who are ready to write you a check if you do that. And, and understanding that gap between here's kind of what I have done and this is the way we've done. It doesn't mean, a, and I'm jumping a little bit ahead, right? It doesn't mean that a, that a farmer has to get 100% of all their acreage necessarily into a into a program like this, right? They may decide, well, yeah, let me do this on X number of my acres. You guys at Pan Exchange could help me understand, all right, net back to my pocketbook. Here's what can happen if you will follow these processes and work with us and, and going from point A to point B. Is that fair, right way to say it, or is that Exactly. Very much so. I mean, so a couple of interesting nuances for the growers that might be listening. Um, You're absolutely right. So um, you don't have to use all your acres and you don't have to commit to one crop. We are our our methodology is about the practice, um, not not the crop itself. However, just for simplicity, if you had a hundred acre farm, and you wanted to put 75 acres in the carbon program, you have to specify which of those 75 acres. So again, specifically about that land, right? So you can't say 75 out of my 100 at any given time. Yes. Right, right, right. But, but you're, you're, but again, that's why this is a voluntary market. Nobody is telling you that you got to do it, but we want to be, you want to be able to show them, well, here's what you can do. And here's what the the benefit would be financially back to you. There's other benefits as well, which are things for the environment and for things that would be for your own land and other things such as that. Uh, and, and certainly for the farmers and people that are starting to understand not just organic, but regenerative ag and why that matters, then there are layers to why somebody would give a hoot. But there, but there are, is it at, at the base of it, can be here's a financial return that can end up help helping your pocketbook. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Right. And then if if we were to take, I hope I'm not jumping too far ahead, no, but no. we that financial incentive is crucial to hemp because particularly on on the fiber side, we're we're not price competitive. I mean, fiber and feed, all of it, we're we're not price competitive. We're too small. Um, right. We are so far from economies of scale right now, um, and and so it's not it's not a, it's not enough for hemp to be awesome and good for the planet. It has to make economic sense, so the buyer is never going to come to the table. Right. And so, hoping that the additional revenue from a carbon credit is what's going to help grow the hemp industry. And, and so let's just let's just talk a second about that about as it relates to the the soil piece, is there also an additional bump for me if I'm a hemp grower because of how much carbon's getting sequestered above ground because hemp loves carbon so much and it wants to grow, grow, grow and sop up more carbon? Is that a bump for me that you could show me that here's the difference of what it would be if you're just doing soybeans or you're planting, you know, cotton or broccoli or whatever else it is you might be making or growing Here's what the bump could be if you were actually doing it with hemp. Is that in the mix? 
The two two answers to that. So one m most definitely, and we actually do do uh, a carbon farm economic um, webinar where we can show you like here's the revenue difference if you just did uh, corn and soy, and here's the, if you just added twenty percent hemp into that rotation. Mm. Uh, how much more lucrative this could be for you? So um, hemp is. Um, an exceptionally carbon-friendly crop. We're estimating that um, it it would plant it would sequester an additional three tons per uh, acre, whereas corn and soy are at one about at best one ton. Big difference, and it's it's about the roots and the roots that's that's pulling the and and that how tight. It, this is not for cannabinoids, right? Um, right. How tight these row crops are. Um, the Second phase, which is even earlier days, everyone should know that, um, but is the carbon in the biomass to what you're talking about. Now, as long as we can prove that that biomass go goes to a, a permanent end use, like hempcrete, okay. then now, so, so what we talked about in the soil that's kind of a one and done, if you will, right? Unless you add a new practice, like there's you, you have a maximum amount of extra carbon you can sequester in the soil. Biomass is annual. Sure. There's the money shot, right? As long as it's used to permanent storage. Now that could also mean, you know, filling an old oil well. Permanently. Yeah, but it's not gonna be hemp paper. Correct. Yeah. Or it, it, it's not going to be. Um, but could it be a hemp bioplastic that is going into maybe an automotive spot because it's not going anywhere and it's going to stay there? I would say definitely maybe. Okay. <laughs> that was not a plan. That was not a put on the spot. But I'm just trying to think about those end uses. The thing is, is that if it's it's probably not going into a textile, right? I mean, or into something that that I've did it, I've used it, the carbon's there. Now I'm going to use it for this other purpose. While we love the idea, you're just talking about the bump, essentially, right? Because if we can say that's where it's going to end up and it's going to stay sequestered. It has to stay sequestered forever. Yeah. Gotcha. Right, 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 right. To be able to have that extra bump value. Or as yeah. our friends from Louisiana would say, if you want the lanyap on that, if you want the extra, okay, then that's the way you're going to have to be able to to know that it's following that. So how do you how do you track that? How do you know how did how does your how does the purchaser of that credit know that it really is going all the way into hempcrete and you didn't, as a farmer or somebody or whomever, didn't pull kind of some bait and switch to say, oh, this is what we're going to do, but you never end up doing that. And, and that's why I say it's even earlier days for this, because um, legitimate buyers will scrutinize the whole process. Um, and it is a what, what's needed. And we're looking into some participating in some studies where we can help create a full life cycle analysis that proves that the, the carbon was not emitted. Uh, or lost, if you will, right, in the processing. Um, and so for each different product, hempcrete, bioplastic, car materials, um, we need that LCA. And that is a separate and surprise costly. Right. 
Yeah. <laughs> right. Consuming, you know, it's, an, it's a, at least a year, right? To, um, and there are certifying bodies that do that. We, we, it, even, we couldn't do it. it. Well, we could, but it wouldn't be legitimate. So. Right, 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 right. You can't be, you'd be talking out both sides of your mouth. Trust us, trust my left hand because my right hand says it works, right? That wouldn't, that yeah. won't, the buyer won't. I mean, the, and ultimately the, the, the landowner, the farmer is not going to benefit from that because if, if, if um, there's not some third party verification that what we're talking about is real, then then you as in, in the marketplace, it's just going to be harder for you to be able to make your make your credit be more valuable. Does that sound right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So in addition to all of this that you do in this kind of a platform uh, uh, that, that you are, I say kind of a platform, it is a platform and it's a platform that's working that. What about what about. You mentioned earlier about consulting work. What did, what does that mean? I mean, when somebody says that they are a consultant, other than I'm from 50 miles away and I have a briefcase, right? I mean, so what what would be what 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 is that that you that that Pan Exchange does along the consulting world? Yeah, I appreciate that. We are doing a lot now, and I and I think it's because uh, the the recognition that we both um, that we understand both the fundamentals of supply chains, um, the realistic supply and demand forecasting, but also I'm an entrepreneur, you know, I've had fundraise for this company, um, and, and build a board and all of this. So, um, all of it comes together. And as you know, Seth Boone, our director of hemp, um, has a very strong ag background as well. More, uh, knowledge, far more knowledge than me than on farm economics and processes. Um, and so what we're doing is, um, domestic and international, it's more hemp than carbon for on consulting right now. Um, and helping investors assess market opportunities. Um, We are helping clients, both large and small, put together um, their their, their background or for their next funding round and getting the projections right. And that could be down to the cost per unit um, or bigger picture, here's the growth sales trajectory that we think we need, um, helping put the decks together and so forth for that. Um, and then some on the carbon front, it's more uh, generic carbon strategy, early, early stage stuff. Gotcha. And would some of that be on farm for uh, down to that? You're saying it's getting down to that, but it could be per project, right? So if we were saying, for example, some of the things we at the co-op are doing and we just have, you know, released this executive summary on um, uh, hemp for energy, particularly for renewable natural gas. So we, let's just say we get a a, a project from uh, a purchaser of RNG and we got all the I's dotted and T's crossed on the engineering side, and we're understanding all that. We could bring somebody like y'all in to help us say, okay, here's the ultimate footprint that you're doing as far as your carbon footprints. Here's how we're going to verify that. Here's how we're going to, and that, that then would be able to show us how to go through that instead of us trying to figure it out on our own, because Last thing we want to do is leave any sugar on the table, right? I mean, we want to make sure that we're squeezing all the blood out of the turnip here, and we don't want to leave something on the table that we haven't been able to do. And just the general idea of carbon credits or or greenhouse gas sequestration, is that kind of right? Or did I mess that totally up? And it's putting numbers to it. Like there are, as I said, there are different practices you can employ, like, 
should we mulch? Well, okay, it's expensive and it could be done wrong, but if you do it right, here's how much it's going to improve your your carbon sequestration. Um, and it's and it's running through those scenarios that we could help with as well. Very good. Well, as as Chevy Chase said in Saturday Night Live, I. I was my understanding there'd be no math. So as long as there's not going to be too much of that for me to do uh, today, uh, the day you get Nick to be the math guy, it's the day that you are sad, sad, and you don't have anybody else. But I'm glad there are people like you, Julie Lerner, who uh, do understand that and understand how all these pieces fit together and understand um, kind of what works and what's not going to work and what's got to get shored up and, you know, what we're not ready for and how much we wish we could do this now, but we can until we get more data. And and uh, thank goodness you are a part of the hemp industry and and care about it enough to uh, uh, put your resources and your talents and bringing together a good team uh, to help figure these things out for us. So kudos to you and the team at Pan Exchange. Well, thank you so much, Nick. I mean, for, for all the kind world, words and we love what you're doing uh, at, at the cooperative and, and uh, just very honored to be a guest of yours. So thank you so much. Hot diggity. So when people want to know more about Pan Exchange, uh, shamelessly plug. Tell us how we can connect with you and your team to learn more about what you do. Sure. Uh, everything is related to panexchange.com. So you want to learn about carbon, send an email to carbon at panexchange.com. If you uh, have a hemp question, send an email to hemp at panexchange.com. Um, at that website, you will find our carbon education pieces. Um, the uh, Alex Maleshko's recent go-to-market strategy webinar, it's basically a crash course on how to get a carbon credit. That's there, um, as well as info on our monthly hemp reports with the benchmarks. How about that? Now, spell pan exchange for us, for people like me that might be slow and don't know how to type that in to uh, my search engine. Thank you for reminding me. You have to delete an E. So it's P-A-N-X-C-H-A-N-G-E. How about that? Pan exchange. Right. Not not exchange, exchange. I'm glad to do that. So terrific. Julie Lerner, thank you for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the National Hemp Growers Cooperative, in particular, if you would like to get a copy of our executive summary for our Hemp for Energy uh, white paper that will be released uh, uh, very soon, we hope, you can do all of that back at our website at nationalhempcoop.us, or you could email us at contact at nationalhempcoop.us and say, send me a copy of that paper and we'll be glad to send you that executive summary. So until next time, thanks for joining us. This podcast produced and distributed by MWB Studios.